At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Baseball America Fantasy Podcast. This is your host, Jeff Ponce. As always, I have my co-host, my good friend, the man that brings you the Robo-Scout. Dylan White is alongside me. Uh, Dylan, I am anxious to start the show off and learn how your teams have progressed over the last couple of weeks. Because you got some big teams in some big tournaments, some with money, some with pride and bragging rights that you're in the hunt on. So... I obviously, I didn't ask you all week. I don't want to bring it up. I'm sure it's nerve wracking at this point. So tell me, how are you performing? <laughs> this is the type of thing I don't mind being put on the spot for because I can I can answer off the cuff. So Tout Wars, we'll start with that for bragging rights. I am, I think I'm currently second. There's like a three-way dog fight for the top. Um, Andy Barron's, Bubba, and me fighting it out. I lost Otani. Um who was obviously sort of the anchor of my offense um, last week, obviously. So I took a zero there with the day-to-day coming in. And then I actually just took him out today um, for this week. It's a week, week-to-week. It's not uh, half weeks like NFBC. So um, you have to kind of commit for the seven days. And since he got scratched on after being put in the lineup today and got scratched, I just decided I can't take another zero. So it's very possible I uh, will win or won't win. Uh, I'm, I'm not that uh, I'm not that uh, optimistic, but the the big one, the big main event overall, we're clinging to first. Uh, three weeks left, 21 game days, as I like to say. Um, we we started Kyle Wright today. That's Monday night, second game of the doubleheader. He got rocked, but a number of other pitchers got rocked. Yeah, like Andre Jackson was a two start guy. Um, Michael like, Lorenzen. Michael Lorenzen didn't do so well. Chris Bassett gave up five runs. I think they're all earned, too. Um, Rysel Iglesias blew safe, but then got the Vulture win. It's It hasn't been, like, looking at the overall standings, there's a lot of negative numbers, uh, including us. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're still clinging to a lead. We're hoping we can do it. <laughs> the, funny, the funny thing is uh, it's seven games in Coors this week. And so 
guys like Hunter Goodman, Ellie Harris Montero, Brenton Doyle were like popular fab pickups. Um, and then Chris Bryant comes off the IL out of the blue <laughs> and, and like, so Hunter Goodman's not even in the lineup on Monday. So yep. I know a lot of people are scrambling. I saw Rob DiPietro was, was talking to Jordan Rosenblum on Twitter about like, do they play Goodman? Do they play Yandy instead? Do they put in DJ LeMayhew? Blah, blah, blah. Cause will Goodman only get two games? And then it's all these decisions that are nerve wracking, especially cause every decision is amplified in these final three weeks where every, every change, every mistake, every misfire or every like home run is so, so, so huge. So it's nerve wracking, but we're clinging to first, uh, hoping we can get a, a good, a nice Coors, Coors bump this week. Cause we do have a couple uh Rockies. Uh, I think we ended up sitting Hunter Goodman for Andy Diaz. So let's put that here on the record for posterity that either it was a terrible decision that ruined the year or uh, I think I think playing Yandy Diaz and not banking on the guy that's not going to get every day at bats and cores is a good decision, frankly. But we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of uh, I'm the type of person who's like, let's kind of be played safe. And, and, you know, let's take the floor instead of swinging for the fences. Um, so I, I kind of agree with you, I think. I think, yeah, he's probably the smarter play, though. You know, seeing Hunter Goodman hit a couple of runs in steel base or something, it would be very devastating to the to the fragile uh, soul right now. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I think he made the prudent decision there. Uh, Yandy's one of the guys that got you there, too. Sometimes you got to play sure. your guy, you know. Sure. Um, that's good. So you're still clinging to a lead there. You're hanging on in tout wars. All good uh, information. I like I like some of the inside uh, strategy on how you guys are working things and <laughs> trying to make stuff work out. So definitely appreciate that. Um, but we got a lot going on. I know the season's winding down. There's a lot of leagues where, you know, depending upon the format, you might be in the playoffs. I know that my home league, the finals takes place over the next two weeks. I was eliminated with a very poor showing in the semifinals. I mean, I was like terrible. Like I, I was eliminated on like Monday night. I'm pretty sure. Like it was one of those <laughs> um, in my 30 team league. I'm in the, the playoffs there. Uh, you know, I won my first round matchup. I'm playing one of the teams with a bye, uh, sort of in the quarterfinals. I'm going to get smoked this week, which is fine. Uh, I've had some bad injuries with this one. I tried to build this team up to compete with a couple of big dogs in this league. And, uh, you know, I'm just in the tier below. And uh, that's the team where I went and traded for Shane McClenahan right before uh, he got injured. So uh, that's my fault. And then Joe Musgrove got hurt. So when uh, when you build a really good pitching staff and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm adding McClenahan and, and I have Musgrove, everyone's healthy. We're heading into the stretch here. I thought I was going to, you know, be gangbusters going to the playoffs and tough to beat. Um, but that may not happen. And this guy has like Acuna and Trey Turner and Ozzy Albies. So all those guys doubled up on Monday and they're scoring big points and runs. So yeah, it's been uh it's been a lot of fun. So <laughs> I, got that going on. I got a couple other leagues where I'm, I'm in the hunt. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens, but let's talk a little baseball. First thing I wanted to bring up to you here and just sort of the opening Jason Dominguez, Baseball gods giveth and they taketh away. He comes up. He's performing at a tremendous level. Um, that I, I think, you know, I don't know if we, we've talked about this specifically or just sort of something that I was thinking about coming into the week prior to the injury news breaking. 
Um, I was like, is this guy, you know, where is he going to go next year in drafts if he performs this way all throughout September? And, you know, let's say he finishes with like nine home runs or something stupid, you know, and it's like all the hype that was always there and the Yankee stuff. And, you know, he has an opportunity to potentially play every day next year. And it's like, where is the hype going to go? And then UCL injury. I don't know if they've officially announced Tommy John surgery or, you know, we were just at this point waiting for the Tommy John surgery. So he's probably on the shelf for about six months, which is going to take up most of his off season. Not kind of put him behind the eight ball a little bit. And he's probably not necessarily going to be ready for major league games right off the bat. So, you know, we may not see this guy now until June, you know, maybe July in the major leagues in a full-time starting role. Um, where I think very much if he hadn't been injured and he performed down the stretch, uh, he's probably in the plans for next season and somebody can pencil in. So what are your thoughts there, Dylan, on, on Dominguez and how that impacts uh, his 2024 outlook? Yeah, I think he nailed it there. He was uh, hitting like gangbusters, like looks like 2020 type season. He was batting third in the lineup, like on his second day or whatever it was. So like it's right after Judge and before... Uh, I don't know who the Yankees will have next year, but like Rizzo Stanton, that type of thing, Glaber Torres, like right in the middle of the order, eating it up with the fans. They all love him. He was he was loving it, and it just looked great. And then now, yeah, so his outlook for the beginning of the year looks shaky. Who knows how many months he'll miss? I saw something about uh, how you know, like Bryce Harper, like the the, the hitters who have the UCL, the Tommy John surgery. Um, can come back maybe ahead of schedule, but like I think June is probably right, like you're saying. And I, I, it's not that he's missing development, but he's missing reps too. And I don't, I wonder how much that'll kind of slow him down coming out of the shoot in June um, to kind of get back up to speed, get his legs underneath him, so to speak. Um, so yeah, kind of disappointing, but you know, I think he's gonna. I don't, this is not going to derail his career in any way. I do think he's, you know, that 2020 kind of profile that I'm talking about um, is still going to hold true for hopefully many, many years. Um, yeah, I, I, I still think the outlook's very, very rosy for him. I'm glad to see he, uh, he like, he started off slow. I don't know, like, if you remember how the season was, he was, he was kind of getting lambasted by many industry outlets because he was only hitting 200 and, not really showing the power, et cetera. But, you know, he has such a good eye. He walks so much. And, like, the, the power and the speed was kind of always there, always lurking. Um, and as a however old he was in double-A, um, it just, like, that type of profile really shows well and really kind of sh- highlights what his his potential is. And so, you know, he stuck by him, and that was that was rewarded. So long-winded way of saying uh i think the, the future is very good for him it's very disappointing that you know it's going to start off slower than we had hoped after seeing it his first week or so um but yeah i still like him a lot and uh speaking of careers who can get off track uh sixto sanchez is going to be returning he's going to uh, apparently pitch tomorrow this is per jordan mcpherson of the miami herald uh 20 pitches or an inning uh one or the other for double a Pensacola tomorrow. That's Tuesday. We're recording this on Monday. You're probably listening to this on Tuesday. Cause that's when it's going to be released. So he's going to pitch tonight. Um, we'll see how that goes. I think it's remarkable because, you know, Sanchez was one of these guys that was highly touted 
you know, before he even turned 18 years old, um, guy that rocketed up prospects list was highly ranked, makes his debut in 2020 and kind of explodes onto the scene with a, a high nineties fastball that's sitting 98 to hundred miles an hour, um, touching 101, 102, nasty slider shows the change up. And over those seven starts, I think, you know, especially early on really looked like he was going to be something special. And, you know, uh, the injuries got to him. He's had shoulder, he's had elbow stuff, and he has not pitched in three seasons now. So he's now 25 years old. He debuted in the major leagues in 20 at 21, and that's the last time he pitched in the big leagues. So it uh, will be interesting to see if he maybe gets into a big league game at the end of the season here. Um, if a couple of these go well, and the you know the the Marlins say, hey, let's let's give him an inning or two. I'm interested to see what his role is going forward. If he'll build back up to a starter's workload over this offseason, or if this guy is going to be a reliever going forward. It's really remarkable to come from really the top of the mountain, where I think when he debuted in the big leagues, his first couple of starts, people were really sort of thinking that this could be, you know, another a, like, like an ace or, you know, a, a high level two. I was never that high in on Sixto Sanchez. I always thought he was more of like a decent three, number four, uh, you know, that was relying on like weak contact more than strikeouts, despite the big stuff. Um, but he's had a rocky road. And like I said, three full seasons missed now. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what he is when he comes back. If you have any insight there. Speaking of, I was one of those people who, who thought he was amazing. Like, I'm like, oh man, I don't have him anywhere. And I, I really feel like I'm missing out. He just looks so dominant. But speaking of former top prospects with arm troubles, Davey Garcia, did you see that on uh, the White Sox have called him up? No. Yeah, after he's no longer the Yankee organization, he got called up by the White Sox. I think it was announced today. Um, so I'm curious to see what he does. His... I know he he's had some rocky uh, rocky last couple of years too. His his mechanics yeah. are all kind of messed up and arm troubles too. If I if I recall correctly, so I'm curious how it is. I'm I, I'm not buying or or anything like that. It's more of a like human interest following. I want to see how he does. Deeper leagues, it might be worth a flyer in the off season if you can get him for free. You know, late late in a draft if you have a free agency period and you can spend a dollar on them or something. Mm -hmm. You know, those are the kind of guys that sometimes figure something out and then they pop up the next year. And they're, they're the guys that you wish you had spent that dollar on, you know? Yeah. Um, So interesting player to follow though. I think definitely to see how it all works out because um, there was some stuff from what his natural pitch mix was that was successful for years that the Yankees tried to tweak, tried to make him throw a slider and that sort of threw off the, you know, spin access in the fastball and the efficiency of the curveball. And, you know, I don't think people realize the the thin line that many of these pitchers walk in terms of having their best stuff and best shapes and et cetera, et cetera, as they try to tinker with things and improve or maybe add something that they don't have. Sometimes it can ruin the stuff that they do have time and time again, it happens, but uh, you know, he's still in pro ball on a high level, still very young. I think David Garcia is maybe 22, 23. Like he's not, He's not old. I don't even think he's 24 yet. Um, you probably double check on that one. But got a couple of promotions I was going to bring up here, uh, Dylan. If you have his age, you can just shout it out. He's 24 in three months, Davey Garcia, actually. Oh, okay. So I was wrong. He just turned 24 not too long ago. Entered the season at 23, though. So there we go. That's probably what I had in my head. 
Um, <laughs> but still, like, I mean, still 24, not that old when you're talking about major league starting pitchers. I think those guys tend to debut a little bit later. You know, the development path for an 18-year-old pitcher is typically five or six years. I don't think people necessarily fully appreciate that. They got to fail. And it's funny because, like, when Davey first came up, he wasn't bad. Um, anyway, we're getting off track here with <laughs> Davey Garcia talk. Um, one that I, a guy that I was high on, I've been very wrong on. Um, but anyway, a uh, couple promotions here to Double A. Jet Williams gets the call up to Double A. Uh, Chase DeLauder also gets the promotion up to Double A. Um, so you know, end of the season stuff. Uh, a ball season is over now, uh, unless you're in the playoffs. So they're they're moving some of these guys up to get them some extra time. Um, I would imagine that DeLauder goes to the Arizona Fall League. You know. Jet Williams wouldn't shock me if he ends up in the Arizona Fall League either. But I think this is a testament to the season that Jet Williams has had. Um, I know that there are some debate and uh, discrepancy within opinions uh, kind of all over the map with Jet Williams as to where you feel he falls in the top 100 list. I think some folks like Eric Cross have maybe said the top 15 or top 20. It's a little rich for my blood. There are some other folks have said they don't think he's a top 100 fantasy prospect. Um so where do you sort of fall in this debate, Dylan? Where would you have him ranked? I think I have him somewhere sort of outside my top 50 in that like 55 to say 70 range is where I'd be comfortable with him. Yeah, I don't remember where where I have him in the Fantasy uh, 200 that we just released. But yeah, he, he started off kind of slow from what I remember. RoboScout wasn't too enthused. And then he's really turned it up in the last month or so, last couple months. Um like looking like a 2020 guy um, and just like not slowing down at all. He kind of got stronger as the season went on. Um, so I don't know. I've got him in the middle. I, I have him in, uh, I would think he's in the top 100 for sure. Um, maybe the back half of the, of like around 50 to 60, I think is kind of where I have him, but easily can, can go up if he uh, just continues growing. Like he, he's really come on strong in the last, in the last half of the year. And I, I, it's, that's really encouraging to me. Yeah, and there's plate skills there. There's approach. There's some contact and bat-to-ball skills. Uh, and, you know, there's more power than I think you realize from a guy that's that small. You know, he's pretty pretty short, kind of like a powder keg, stocky guy. Um, you know, not the most like high-level athlete, but he does a lot of things well in a baseball field. And, you know, I, I was talking to someone about the soft line, and I sort of feel like he's one of these guys that's going to be – a leadoff hitter, get on base a lot, give you enough power, give you enough speed that it, like he contributes in both of those categories. Good batting average, really good OBP, and like because of how often he's on base, if he's in a good lineup with guys that can drive in runs behind him, he can score a lot of runs. He has that like 90 to 100 run per season sort of profile in his peak years. And um, those are guys that are super valuable, and I think Sometimes that profile as a prospect goes a little bit underrated because they don't have this super loud standout sort of tool. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, mean, I just called up his, his stats now. Like his barrel rate is is plus. Obviously, he's got good contact. He has 20% walk rate since July 1st. So like his, his OBP, like he looks like he could be like a 340, 350 OBP guy. And if the power holds, he's seven home runs in 162 plate appearances. So that's like 20 home run power. He's got 12 stolen bases. So that's like 20 stolen base. 
um, profile as well. Like that, that's that's that definitely plays. <clears throat> and uh, that Met lineup, that young Met lineup, um, could be pretty powerful. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Chase DeLauder also promoted to Double A. Uh, you know, this is one of my favorite players in the minor leagues. He's performed tremendously uh, in high A. I think hit 366. You know, 403. Oh man, I can't remember the slugging off the top of my head, but it's in the 500s, like 530, 540, something along those lines. Uh, 22 extra base hits, um, showing power, really high contact rate, good approach. Um, you know, hasn't done a ton of damage against lefties. Hasn't had a ton of at bats against lefties, frankly, but um, but you know, it's gotten on base against left-handers and like, it hasn't been so awful. It's just not a lot of power there against left-handers right now. It's also left on left that happens, you know, strong. He was always, he was always going to lean toward the strong side of the platoon. Um, but does crazy damage obviously against right-handed hit, uh, pitching. So, um, really interesting player, super athletic, there's speed, there's power, there's plate skills. He's going to be up in double a, um, and I think he's probably going to end up in the Arizona Fall League uh, fairly shortly as well. So one of my favorite players. We'll move on. PCA, Pete Crow Armstrong has been promoted to the major leagues. Uh, he's going to be with the Cubs. Um, outstanding center fielder. Defensively, there's not going to be many outfielders that are better than Pete Crow Armstrong from day one. Um, there's obviously some speed there. Really good bat-to-ball skills. Really aggressive approach. He's a guy that likes to swing, likes to get the ball in play. Um, there is some power as well, um, but I, I think this is more of a, a batting average play. You're hoping for some speed that he runs into a few and gets you some home runs and some doubles and kind of uh, fills it up a little bit. Um, not somebody I would be getting super aggressive to go after in like a 12-team league or something like that. But like your 15-, 16-team league, um, especially if you have daily moves and you can kind of platoon guys in and out of your out, outfields, uh, depending upon where he is and what the matchup is and what the wind looks like at Wrigley or something. Um, you know, I might, I might, I might line, uh, throw him into the lineup. Um, you know, might take a shot on him in a, in a DFS scenario or, you know, a, 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 a RAS ball, you know, these RCL style play, formats where you can kind of stream guys daily. Um, if he's in the lineup and I need an outfielder, you know, maybe I would take a chance, but, not somebody I'm investing in here heavily. He's owned in every format of Dynasty. If you have prospects and minor leaguers, he's probably already owned. I don't think I'm telling you anything you don't know. Um, what are your expectations with PCA? Um, kind of in line with what I'm saying. Yeah, basically exactly in line with what you're saying. He he didn't start. He's not in the starting lineup today, Monday, uh, in Coors for the Cubs. Um, so I'm not sure how much you'll play. I'm sure they'll ease him in there. They're making a nice playoff run and uh i'm sure they want him in there with his defense like you said or but maybe maybe he's just going to be defensive kind of replacement uh to secure those late innings <clears throat> but uh i i see you know 2020 ish at his peak like you said good batting average he does he is aggressive his, his contact is you know a bit below average his chase is a bit below average but uh like the exit velocities are fine the, the barrel rates are good I have a question for you to put on the spot. Who would you rather have in a dynasty, Pete Crowbstrong or Sal Frelick? I think I know the answer, but I want to hear you say it out loud. Uh, I would prefer Pete Crow Armstrong. I, I just think that the um, the overall skill set can be a little bit louder. I think it's a little more risk. Like, you know, you're taking something that's already 
kind of performing in the major league level. You know, he's got a job day one next year. Um, but for me, I think there's more, he's a bigger guy, not much bigger. PC isn't a huge guy, but um, I think there's more power upside with the swing. I think that, um, you know, he's going to contribute batting average wise. There's more impact. Um, it is fairly close, you know, but I just, I'm going to take the, the, the younger, more explosive guy, um, you know, and, and just hope that he refines the approach a little bit and, you know, adds a little bit more game power, but, uh, I could see going either way on this one, honestly. I, I, I thought you'd say self relic actually. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so no, I think, I think that like PCA could develop into like, you know, um, Christian Yellick kind of a, a player, you know, where it's like, you know, does sort of, uh, everything really well. Yeah. I could see that. I, I could see where he, he'll make some incredible defensive play a couple times and then like the fans will love him and he'll become a fan favorite and then he'll, he'll feed off of that and uh, have the confidence and then kind of become like the face of the organization. Yeah. And I think he's going to contribute a bunch of ways. Uh, he's a pretty dynamic, explosive player. And I just think like he'll be able to add a little bit more power, take advantage of it in uh, those uh, NL central parks as well, well outside of St. Louis, but you know, <laughs> Particularly when he's in, you know, at home, and then when he's playing games in Milwaukee and Cincinnati, that helps. Fair enough. All right, so let's uh, last question I have here in the opening, and then we'll take a quick break and then uh, jump into our main topic and wrap this sucker up. Um, early impressions of Jordan Lawler. I mean, it's twelve. It's been twelve plate appearances in three games, but he has looked incredibly overmatched so far. Uh, you know. I, I'm not shocked. I don't, I just don't know if he was necessarily ready. And I think sometimes with players like this, in some ways, I think he's kind of reminiscent of like Anthony Volpe where, you know, good plate discipline numbers and, and, and plate skills. Um, you know, there is power there, but it's not crazy power. There's some speed. You know, he's a good defender. There's so much that he has to sort of take in once he gets up uh, to the major leagues that, um, some of it has to sort of settle in. So uh, I'm not shocked. I didn't go out and grab him anywhere that I could. Um, but what are your impressions so far? I just don't, I think this is just a, a, a cup of coffee, you know, a taste of the major league so they can set him up for the offseason. I hope you're wrong. We, we picked him up in that main event um, team. Uh, I liked that they put him second against the lefty and so like it's that to me signals that they have confidence in him sure um and he's going to be part of their future blah 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 uh i agree he has been kind of overmatched i saw you know he stole base so we were hoping for like a stolen base floor so even if he is has a slow start kind of um and he's hitting eighth in the order as long as he's playing every day i saw some some nice defensive plays he made so you know hopefully that's going to keep him in the lineup so yeah, I agree. He, he's looked a bit overmatched. I, I don't know if they'll send him down unless he's like really, really scuffling because um, they were in that playoff hunt as well. Um, they want their best. They cut Nick Ahmed. Yeah, I mean, like, I think he's in the plans for the rest of the season. Yeah, and so I hope they're, they're going to play him every day. I hope they're going to they're gonna keep, you know, showing confidence in him and he'll hopefully he'll gain confidence. Um, 
I I saw Jake McCarthy has been tearing it up in AAA too, and so he may be up soon. I don't know how how that works, um, but he may he may return. Um, and so there'll be a lot of speed in that lineup. Uh, it'll be very very fun to watch as a fan. The Corbin Carroll and and Jordan Lawler and maybe Jake McCarthy, Alec Thomas, all these guys stealing bases left, right, and center. It'll be fun to watch. So yeah, I I I, I still have uh, Jordan Lawler kind of a twenty twenty threat. With uh, you know pretty good plate skills too on base percentage as well. Um, I don't know if it'll be this year or that pace for this year or even next year, but uh, you know that's what I kind of I'm seeing for him for his career with good defense. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, let's take a quick break and we'll be back with our main topic. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4:55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, and we are back. Uh, Dylan, you had a great RoboScout article this week. Uh, if you are not a Baseball America subscriber... I encourage you to subscribe to Baseball America right now because we have a ton of great off-season content that's coming up. Of course, our top 10s and then top 30s with full scouting reports. Uh, but we're also, for the first time, going to have a real sort of content calendar um, and consistent fantasy content throughout the off-season. You know, uh, we have some more updated rankings coming. We already sort of gave you toward our, our, more or less our end of season, our final top 200 prospects update. Uh, we're going to have some FYPD content, uh, and I think probably some deep dives, et cetera, some fun stuff in the offseason, more rankings like we had last year, but they'll just be out a heck of a lot earlier and updated throughout the years. So be something that I'm hoping that everyone can use in early drafting and um, use this as a valuable resource. And a lot of that's going to be Dylan and Dylan's work. The first thing I think we're probably going to be focusing on is FYPD. So I know something that I had mentioned to you off, off air last week when we were thinking about things to write about, because this time of the year, Certain levels are ending. There's no more information. A lot of the breakouts have already broken out and then broken out again and, or broken for that matter. Um, <laughs> so I said, hey, let's, why don't you talk about some FYPD guys and how they're performing and kind of prime the pump a little bit for first-year player drafts. And, you know, I think traditionally most first-year player drafts don't start until December or January. I know there are some sickos out there that start a lot earlier. 
personally, I think I take some of the fun out of it. I, I, I kind of enjoy it being part of my off season, part of my building, you know, part of the, the, the whole trading picks and moving up, moving down, kind of figuring that out with your team. Uh, I know that's how we do it in my 30 team league. Um, and I've had other leagues that started as early as December. I uh, haven't been in a league that started any earlier than that. Um, but that being said, let's talk a little bit about the article and some players that were popping for you. I know one name um, that's going to be on sort of everybody's tongues and you kind of made a big statement about him and that is Wyatt Langford. How do you feel about Wyatt Langford? And when we go into the rankings room, we sit down at the table with me and you and Carlos and, and Ben, and we all scrap it out. Matt Eddie, of <laughs> course, as well. Who are you going to be stumping for at number one? Will it be Wyatt Langford? Uh, yeah, probably. Um, setting aside skeins, um, because I'm not really sure what's happening there with uh, the Pirates having a pitch and then shutting him down in kind of a, a weird turn of events. So I'll set him aside. And so it's really like Langford versus Cruz. I'll also set aside any international signees like uh, Yamamoto um, or, or any Korean players. Uh, I think Langford over Cruz. I think they're so close that if you can find any anything to kind of tip the needle in any direction, you, you would do that. And I think Langford has put a huge statement on the board with what he's done in, in high A and double A. Just the stack cast underneath, it, it wasn't necessarily as good as Cruz's in uh, college, um, but it's definitely much better... Well, not much better, but it's definitely better than Cruz is right now in the the minor leagues. Just he's kind of doing, I know it's obviously a small sample size, but the barrel is higher, the chase rate's lower, the 90th percentile exit velocity is higher, the contact's higher, the strikeout rate's lower. Like everything is like he's beating him in every category. And so for me, and, and these numbers that Lankford's putting up, are excellent compared to you know everyone else at high A type of thing like in context with the rest of the league and if you regress his barrel rate and and uh, his contact rate and all that because of the the number of plate appearances he has he's still like in the top uh, percentiles for all these things so I'm very encouraged um, I traded him away in my home league to get uh, I don't even remember who it was maybe it was Mookie Betts. Um, an uh, 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 unaffordable Mookie bets as a keeper, but I'm making my playoff push. And I made a trade um, and I'm just a, kind of regretting it now because this guy, my, my opponent's going to have white Langford for years uh, at league minimum salary and uh, seeing the underlying stack ass data. Like it's just, it's uh it's, it's quite eye opening. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I think it was always uh, a potential question. And I think from a fantasy perspective, uh, it's just more actualized power than Cruz, and you're not trading any of the plate skills. Um, I think from a real-life perspective, you're talking about a player in Cruz that could potentially play center field. That's a bit of a difference maker, I think, between the two in a real-life setting. Um, Cruz is a little bit more oppo-heavy. Um, Lankford has more pull-side power, just a little bit more juice and they both have big juice. Um, he's got speed too. Like there's a lot to like about him. And I think from a team construct and perspective, um, you really like the the opportunity and the lineup he's going to be able to sort of walk into. 
And I think there's a better chance that he could break camp coming into next year or be up by May 1st, we'll say, than there is with Cruz right now. And there's no reason for them to, to push it for the Nationals. So I think a lot of the team context uh, tips the scales that way. Um, and, you know, if I was to enter my list today, I would actually have Langford one, Cruz two. And uh, I'm not going to tell you what I'd have from there. But I, I don't know if I would have – I don't know if I'd have Skeens three. You know, I, the pitcher does scare me a lot. And uh, Walker Jenkins has looked great. I know uh, we don't have him on the list, but he is somebody that you did talk about a little bit this week in RoboScout, another guy that's really performed. Um, I would take him over Matt Clark right now. And then I th- kind of think that it's like how you want to lay out Clark, uh, Skeens. I would have Matt Shaw sort of next up. Uh, I think some people probably have Nolan Shanuel there. There, I think some other folks, um, you know, might might stump for the next guy we'll talk about, and uh, that's Colt Emerson. Yeah, Colt Emerson has looked fantastic. Um, low A, he was in the complex too, I think, or no? He, yeah, he was, he was in the, in complex. the complex. Yep. Yeah. Um, when I, when I do the RoboScout, I, I kind of do peak projections too. And and he, of all the, the FYPD guys, all the draftees, he has like the highest WRC plus projection of anyone who is at the complex. He's got the highest uh, WRC plus projection in, at low A of any of the FYPD guys. Like he's just performing at, at both levels. It's just, it's, it's power, it's speed, it's swing decisions, it's working the strike zone. It's barreling it up when he does make contact, making good contact. It's just everything's there. Athleticism. It's really a shout out to the the Mariners drafting. Um, you know, like Cole Young last year. I mean, they also have Ty Pete as well this year. Like these guys are performing immediately as seventeen year olds. Yeah, seventeen. And others, man. There's other guys in that draft too. Williamson. There's others. Like it's a it's a good class. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and last year those guys too, Tyler Locklear, etc. Like it's uh, it's pretty impressive what uh, what Seattle's kind of building there. So yeah, Colt Emerson, I really like him. Um, I know he's getting some some uh, boosts in other circles as well. So I don't know if you can get him cheap. Um, he's kind of a guy that you you know, if you have a back back end first round. No, pick, I think he's a top he's a top ten FYPD pick. Yeah, and I was hoping he. Like I, I know he is maybe on talent. I was just hoping that maybe the consensus was he wasn't, and so you could grab him, you know, with the twelfth pick or thirteenth pick. But yeah, I, I, think, I think the secret's out. I think the secret's out because of the performance. <laughs> and I think another guy that's trending that way as well uh, that you talked about, two way talent, but he's only hit so far. Some people think he's probably just going to be a hitter, and that's Bryce Aldridge. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about Aldridge and sort of where you would have him because I don't think he's that far off from the Colt Emerson conversation. And I am sure there are people out there that follow this that would maybe even prefer Eldridge to Emerson, um, potentially, just in terms of what the potential upside is. So interested to hear your perspective there. I think this is another guy that's trending into that top 10 conversation at FYPD. And let me say this. This was the draft to trade the year out and get picks in the future for because... Uh, if you're in a deeper league like me in a 30-team league where our FYPD can go, you know, 200-plus picks, some of that is players that are already uh, in the minor leagues that have been released in the offseason. We keep 25 or 43. So um, in that particular instance, like, 
I might have 11 picks in the first year player draft. I might have 15 picks in the, in the first year player draft. Um, so knowing like deeper players too is, is fairly important, but I think it's this, this, this draft is so deep. Uh, there's so many good players that you could maybe pick 15 or 16 and still get a pretty legitimate guy. Um, so talk to me a little bit about Eldridge. Yeah. Massive power. Um, two way players, you know, good barrel rates too. Like if he was just a hitter, uh, I think for sure he would be top, top, uh, top 15, top 10. I think ironically, the fact that he's a two way player kind of scares me as a, as a fantasy player in that, like, it's kind of going to take away from his, his development, his reps as hitter and pitcher. Um, you know, kind of like what we see with catchers where, you know, they have to focus on, you know, the defensive side, obviously. And so that kind of slows down their overall development. So, I mean, as a real world organization, I think I would have Eldridge over Emerson just because of the, the options there, the flexibility. Um, and then you could, you have the, the flexibility to, you know, maybe just focus on hitting, maybe just focus on pitching or, or try to try to have both. Um, fantasy player kind of scares me a bit. So, as a hitter, if he just focused on hitting, I think he looks, looks great power, really crushing it, 18-year-old, um, good contact, maybe hits it on the ground a bit, too much so far, but it's really early. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, what, what do you think of the fact that he's a two-way player and, and what the, the Giants' plans I, will be? I don't, think, I, I don't think he's – I think he is – I think there's a lot of talk about this. And I think that it is a secondary thing to his hitting where Brendan McKay was a primary pitcher. I think the giants want Reggie Crawford to be a primary pitcher. Hmm. I think this is a situation where he's got arm talent. They'll try oh, Bubba, Bubba Chandler primary pitcher. I think he's going to end up a full-time hitter. I don't think he's ever going to stop hitting that. If he pitches, it might be more of a scenario. And we've been waiting for a guy like this who is like a one inning closer or a high power reliever for three innings a week. And he hits every day. And the thing is like, he's a tremendous athlete. I think that's undersold a little bit. Um, like I disagree a little bit with Carlos um, who had him as a Matt Olson comp, which I think the power is a great comp um, in his same report. He comped him to Spencer Jones. I think he's more like Spencer Jones. I think that this is a big, strong guy. Spencer Jones was a two-way player at this point in time, too. He, he was a two-way guy at Vandy. Um, so at the same age, they're kind of in a similar development path, and Eldridge is ahead of him where he was as a hitter and from a hit tool and a skills perspective. Um, so I think this is a better version of Spencer Jones, frankly. And so like, I am very much in, and based on the people I speak with who are in amateur circles and have worked with these guys um, – I very much feel comfortable betting on his uh, future as a hitter. So I'll say that. I don't know if that puts you to ease a little bit at all. I think that the pitching is very secondary to the hitting where I think other two way guys have been primary pitcher and there's been hitting ability as well. It does. It does put me at ease. It does put me at ease. I, I am a bit, and maybe this is looking way too far out in the future. You know, the giants park for lefties kind of suppresses home runs um, you know, we saw Brandon Belt never really became the all-star that we all thought he might be coming up. Just I, I feel the park suppressed it a lot. So, you know, it's gonna it's gonna attenuate his production a bit. Um, 
so but uh, you know I'm, I'm i'm nitpicking at this point he just looks like a tremendous talent tremendous athlete huge power um bright future absolutely definitely somebody that i like quite a bit and uh you know i wouldn't shock me if i end up uh, rostering him quite a few places let's talk about somebody that i i like uh quite a bit have since he was a young buck 18 19 years old out here playing for harvard's in the cape cod league he is squarely one of my guys i would say as much as anyone is one of my guys as much as chase the is one of my guys as much as Cooper Jerpy is my guy, whoever you want to say is my guy that I get goofy about and I uh, lose all my journalistic integrity. That is Brock Wilkin. I'm a big fan of Brock. Great guy. Uh, great personality. Um, somebody that I've uh, had an opportunity to be around and, and speak with for years. So I'm rooting for him. Definitely going to end up rostering him in a few places in fantasy. Um, huge power. Kind of a three true outcome guy. Good swing decisions. He's going to get on base. There is some swing and miss. Uh, Bigger guy, longer levers, all that. Uh, has a shot to stick at third baseman. Um, excuse me, at third base. Um, he's a really interesting name in this class, and I think kind of in that second or third tier, you want to say, in this like first-round group, um, he's kind of high up in that tier. And I think, uh, you know, if you're in OBP leagues, uh, power points leagues, I think uh, he's definitely a guy that should probably pique your interest. I think he's a guy who is a sneaky sleeper pick because on on the surface, he has 150 play appearances at high A and he has two home runs. So people will be scared off saying, you know, where is the power? What, what's going on here? His ISO is only 149. Um, but underneath the hood, like he's his barrel rate's high. His He doesn't hit it on the ground. His, his 90th percentile exit velocity is plus for the level. It's it's kind of a sneaky pick where uh, he gets a boost from the StatCast data itself. So that, that's kind of uh, you have an advantage over your your league mates if they're not you know subscribing to BA or listening to this podcast. That <laughs> you know Brock Brock Wilkin might be uh, a, a sneaky pick because he like you know the stat line uh, industry guys who are going to make their picks or make their lists are not going to have him as high because you know his projections based on what he's doing is you know low teens home runs not much speed three true outcomes kind of like what you're saying um you know he's 21 he's not like he's 17 so it's like the 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 extra projection isn't really there but underneath the hood it's like all the all the ingredients are there for him to you know have a huge breakout season next year yeah and the last guy i wanted to talk about here uh as well and somebody that uh, you had brought up and i actually got to see while i was down in florida i saw him as an amateur as well um, Northeast guy, Kevin McGonagill, Tigers, uh, second round draft pick, um, sort of an undersized contact first. Uh, well, I don't know. I'd say plate skills first, cause he's got great approach and a great, uh, batter's eye really knows what he's doing. Um, not the biggest body. He's very small, uh, kind of stocky. You know, he's got bat speed. I don't know how much power is there. It's not nothing. But if you said it's anywhere from 40 to 50 in the future, I wouldn't really argue. Um, but what do you think about Kevin McGonigal? I think this is a guy that's going to hit for a high average, get on base. There's going to be models out there, uh, not just yours, that are going to love this guy just because the plate skills are so good. 
Yeah, exactly. I think I think he's fascinating. I think it's it's going to be a good test ground for you know for how to how to you know prospect hunt really. Like you said, he's got higher walks and strikeouts. His swing strike rate is four point three percent. You know, he's only eighteen. It's so like he looks like he's going to have a huge high batting average. His contact percentage is great. He does not chase at all. So those who really value contact and and hit tool are going to love him, like you said. And then, and the power isn't, isn't horrible. Like the, the 90th percentile exit velocity is like basically right on average. Um, he's not barreling the ball that much, but uh, it's going to be an extremely interesting test case. So I'm curious to see how it goes. I think it's a, it'll be a question of whether you can, you know, build strength and, uh, and power as he develops in the Detroit organization, Kevin McGonigal. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how he is. I could see him being a very divisive, prospect over the next couple of years where there'll be huge fans who are just, you know, pounding the table for him. And then there are others saying that, you know, they don't really see the impact and uh, you know, he's not going to be an all-star or anything. So I'm very fascinated to see how how the next few years go for Kevin McGonigal. Absolutely. Well, on that note, Dylan, we've given the people enough, go and read the article (laughs) up at baseball America. We got a ton of other content coming out this week. A lot of stuff. We got an, complex league lists coming from josh norris those are always a valuable tool uh and i'm going to be doing some uh, data dives myself some data darlings some players who really stuck out for their performance in the underlying data this year did it uh for the end of last year had guys like colt keith uh yarn diaz a bunch of other players that broke out pink junior Camonero. some stars could be abound in this one so doing them uh Looking forward to putting that one out. Put in an article today on Jackson Churio. Really dug in on both halves. If you are interested in the impact of the uh, pre-tack ball, I encourage you to go out there and read that article as well. Worked hard on it. Was kind of marinating it out for a week. Uh, and I'm proud of that one. Sometimes you're not so proud on the stuff you put out. Other <laughs> ones you're proud. I'm very proud on this one. But for Dylan, for Jeff, this has been the Baseball American Fantasy Podcast. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.